0: Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author, and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news, and tips to rebuild our relationship with nature, revitalizing our natural resources by minimizing waste and maximizing human potential. I trust you'll discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future that you can then cultivate and transform to suit your own lifestyle so we can collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philipaross.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide and don't be shy about commenting and submitting a review. Hello Wastebusters. welcome to episode 16. Happy April Fools! It's a fun day that no one really knows the true origins of it. But who cares, it's a great excuse to play practical jokes so long as no one gets hurt in the process. Apparently, the best one ever was a news item back in 1957 that presenters on the Panorama programme ...shared a story about Swiss spaghetti harvest... ...and they showed pictures of people picking spaghetti from trees. They received thousands of calls from people wanting to know how to source them. A great April Fool's. One thing's for sure, we shouldn't be fooled into thinking... ...that someone else or our governments... ...are responsible for making all the changes we need to clean up our planet. We're likely to expire if we do. It's imperative now more than ever that we do our own bit... We had Earth Hour last week, and Earth Day is on the 22nd of April. And in between, they're calling it Earth Month. The focus is on investing in our planet. So use the days leading up to it and beyond to do something different. Something we can all easily do is to take our rubbish home with us so it doesn't get blown around the streets, clog up drains and get into our waterways. There are some amazing organisations like Sustainable Coastlines here in New Zealand, who incentivize um, beach cleans and then get the participants to index the type of litter they find. Nearly 7% of it tends to be bottles, bottle caps, bottle rings, seals and tabs, aluminium and metal cap lids and pull tabs. Just take your crap home with you. And if you're out and about, keep a bag or container with you and pick up any rubbish you see. In Antarctica, the only trace you can leave behind is your footprints, The same philosophy needs to be adopted the world over. Another philosophy we do well to adopt is take what you need and leave the rest. We're quite literally sucking the life from our oceans. Scallops here in New Zealand have depleted between 60 and 90% in areas along the northeast coast. And if you need an incentive to clean up your act, then how about the recent research that's discovered microplastics in people's blood? Yep, that's right, in our blood. Along with research from a while ago that's already confirmed particles in the air can penetrate the body and damage our cells. That really is something to think about. We've all seen the gruesome photos of birds and fish stomachs packed full of microplastics. The reality is the very same thing is happening to us. 35% of the microplastics actually found in the ocean are as a result of the microfibers that come loose through our washing. If you combine this with the um, dyes that also come loose, it's easy to understand why our oceans are toxic and the marine life are quite literally suffocating. You can make a difference by doing your laundry differently and or take a leaf out of the Team dwat a New Zealand business that focuses on environmental regeneration and economic sustainability. They created a six-item challenge for their team, who are limiting their wardrobes to just six items for the month of March, all except sportswear and a coat. The participants were asked about the oldest items that they found in their wardrobes and discovered some had items that were decades old. Now I got a few of those. The common factor between the items was the quality of material and how they'd been cared for over the years. Proof that fashion icon Vivian Westwood's philosophy to buy less, choose well and make it last is a key factor in making the most of the items in our wardrobe. One challenge of only having six items of clothing to choose from is the amount of washing you need to do, which they've solved by airing stuff outside and spot cleaning clothes and just generally cutting down on the amount they do in a week. Obviously, it all depends on what you do and the size of your own family, and whether you've got babies, tots or teens, because every stage and age has their own needs and habits. But if we all do something to try and reduce one wash a week, it'll make a massive difference worldwide. It's easy for me because I'm on my own. I do only do one wash a week, and I use curraball I'm sure I've mentioned this before but it actually catches all the microfibers and I came across a product today for all those of you that have furry friends it catches all the animal fur in it and you can use it in washing machines and dryers I found a link for all those in New Zealand and um, by googling pet hair remover washing Just put in your own country and you'll come up with something. Now, I always love hearing other people's stories, which is where my next guest came from. I met Dave Knight at a mutual friend's party and we started talking and he told me about the company that he worked for, Junk Run in Auckland. So naturally, I decided to set up um, an interview and discover more about the amazing work that they do. We're joined by Ruth Boyce, who is the general manager of the company. And together, their aim is to send waste to a better place, diverting a phenomenal amount from going to landfill. Welcome to the show, Ruth and Dave. It's lovely to have you with me. I'm really intrigued. The company's been going since 2005. So if I take it to you first, Ruth, when did you join and what inspired you to be a part of Junk Run? I think I joined Junk Run in 2018.
1: So I've been around nearly four years now. And I was just blown away by the way that they are disrupting the waste industry, basically. Junk Run was doing things so differently and making such a massive difference to the planet and the environment. And it matched all my
0: personal set of criteria around sustainability. And there's nothing like working for a company that has the same values as yourself, eh? Mm, Yeah. And what about you, Dave?
2: I think I've been there since 2014 or 15, so probably seven years. Wow. And I had been in Australia, I had a building development company. So I was doing renovations all the time and I was kind of always that guy that would save, you know, weather boards or you know this bit of timber that bit of timber reuse stuff you know and then i came back to new zealand and my good friend um introduced me to fiona our ceo and they were looking at you know changing the way that builders thought about construction waste because obviously new zealand although we like to think of ourselves as really really clean and green the building industry as you all well know mainly because of the you know it's cheap to throw things away which isn't good but also um there's a lot of miseducation around there about what actually happens to materials because i think a lot of people you know think you put things in the skip bin and people will you know sort through it and pull it out um so that was my first role was to actually go out there and develop kind of an education system for builders um which got a lot of traction so that's yeah that that was kind of how i got introduced to it
0: and it is a mentality isn't it out of sight out of out of mind
2: absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. that's the only reason so a, um,
0: as we're talking construction, um, what percentage of um, waste is there in New Zealand around the construction industry?
2: Well, going to landfill, I mean, it, it's gone from like 50, 60 to 70 percent in the last kind of three to four years. So wow, um, it's, it's really up there, you know, unbelievable, to be honest, to see. I mean, anybody can be driving down the main road or anywhere and they'll just see a skip and they'll see types of materials that shouldn't be in there. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's in the 70s, I'd
1: say. Yeah. I, I think right now, with the construction industry booming the way it is, it's definitely in the, uh, probably seventy percent of what is ending up in our landfills in New Zealand is coming from the construction sector and demolition sectors.
0: Wow! So, what are you actually doing as a company to make a difference?
1: Mm. Lots. Well, everything. <laughs> everything we can. We're we do it so differently. Oh yeah, my goodness! So so differently. Um, I mean,
2: I, I mean, I could probably start at one. I mean, I think. Waste is only waste when you waste it. If that makes any sense, you know, right. um, it's really down to you know clarity and understanding what materials aren't waste. As soon as you put something in that that bin, that skip, it becomes waste. So whether that's you know a bit of plasterboard, your timbers, a fixture, a fitting, a PVC pipe, I mean, all those things I've just mentioned can be repurposed. They can be reused. Um, so it's all about individuals recognizing, um, what, what materials are being thrown. Um, so we will come into a company and we will, you know, visit a site and say, this is what we think. We think that this site you have got 90% of materials that should not be going in your skip, so that's the, that's the first process. So we have done audits before for like, you know, the council, other companies, um, to let them know what is on their sites that shouldn't be getting thrown away. So it's like a benchmark. Mm Um, Ruth, you want to take that over from there?
1: Yeah, and I guess from there, when when once that audit's done and we can identify the materials that should not be going to the landfill, we can then manage the waste process on the site with a variety of different ways. I mean, we do provide not skip bins, but some bins that can help sort and separate and segregate waste streams so that there's not contamination on site. And then our teams turn up and hand sort and separate and load into our trucks by hand. So we know exactly what's gone on to each load and what the materials are. So they've got properly sorted and then they're offloaded in the correct order in the correct places that can actually be reused. Maybe by charities and community groups who will reuse parts of that construction waste, um, social enterprise groups and things like that. Or if they can't be reused as is, then the next step would be looking at to get things recycled So we follow what's known as the waste hierarchy, which Mm -hmm. puts reuse right at the very top. And then further down is recycle somewhere in the middle. And then at the very bottom of the chain, if you like, of thinking is landfill as the very last option at the bottom of the cliff. We kind of apply that thinking to everything we touch. And we record and measure everything we touch. So we're able to give full reporting at the end. So we're doing things very differently (laughs) to um, chucking it in a skip and hauling it off to landfill as fast as you can. And I
0: I loved um, on your uh, website and the fact you just mentioned it, that everything is handled by your personnel. And so you know exactly what is coming in sort of things. It's not all chucked in one big thing. And you obviously have a network of organisations that you can exchange the goods or repurpose the goods and things so in the construction industry what sort of places would that be like Habitat for Humanity being one of them
2: absolutely yeah so yeah we work very closely with Habitat for Humanity Um, they're Mm -hmm. an amazing organization as you know Um, we work with um, some social enterprises like a a group called ARA out in uh, by the the airport out there and they um, we're talking
0: Auckland here aren't we yeah yeah this is Auckland yeah
2: yeah. so yeah they have um, a program where they take year 12s um, from South Auckland schools and, and give them like a precursor kind of course into apprenticeships, so building and things. So, a lot of the building materials we take there, they get houses that were destined for landfill to be demolished um, and they get them transported to their site out there. And then the students um, basically learn carpentry skills, you know, with materials that we can bring them, they renovate the houses and then they on-sell them. And that money goes back into the project. So, there's just lots of little initiatives like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you can imagine when we deliver a couple of truckloads of you know materials, and you see, see all these smiley faces, and you just see the you know the excitement in their eyes and just the confidence, you know. So that's just that's just one out of the plethora of many many, many, many yeah. people, yeah.
0: And I guess as a student, um, and with the teachers as well, um, because resources are expensive, there's less stress if um for any balls up, you know, when in the learning process because it is repurposed. Absolutely. Mm. That's a
2: great point. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's good Um, practice
0: uh, materials. Yes, absolutely. And because I was going to say before you mentioned that, that just from the outside, that there needs to be more education further back in the training process. So this is a fine example of that kind of thing happening. Do you find Mm. many um, construction companies or individual um, like um, solo companies who are aware of the amount of waste that happens? or concerned about it even?
2: Uh, to the answer to that, simply yes. 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 I think everybody knows. I think everybody oh. knows. I don't think there's anybody out there currently operating in these conditions that doesn't think there's a problem. Yeah. For them, it's time, you know, that, and, and training the, and education. Yeah.
1: The training and education of changing years and years of habits of doing things a certain way and costing projects in a certain way and, you know, the the different mentality, basically, of how you set up a site and how you run a site, Yep. Just takes a long time to undo and unpick and change. But we're, we're currently working with a developer at the moment in West Auckland who's doing, like many developers in Auckland at the moment, has bought a site and is going to build or is in the middle right now of building townhouses. Um, so the old house that was there was an old wooden weatherboard house and it was trucked off in the middle of the night and it's going to be rehomed somewhere. But we're working with him as he takes that, he took the house off and he's now building eight townhouses on that site. Mm-hmm. Um, from the start to try and make that a complete zero waste project as in nothing going to landfill wow not like yes less than 10 kilograms off that entire side now, he's about halfway through would you say dave probably now he's got yeah he's, he's finish yeah.
2: september so yeah they're just and having trouble with a couple of products but i mean it's yeah, pretty much but, on track
1: and, yeah, so we're just helping with that project at the moment and, and making sure that the waste, well, the items that they don't need anymore are being taken off the site and used, reused appropriately and all the reporting that goes around that. So, yeah, that's going to be exciting. That,
2: that is that is actually we're working with Auckland Council and... Unitech. Um, Unitech, Unitec, sorry, yeah, Unitech and Auckland Council yeah. as well. So there's a lot of interest around that project because um, it's kind of the first... I mean, that is a very high target, but there's no reason why it shouldn't be um, yeah. achieved, you know?
0: Absolutely. Mm. And aim, aim high. And one of the big things as so far as my podcast is concerned is to help get that message across. You can't make that switch um, and everything magically happens. It is a process and it is a matter of education, unlearning and doing things differently. So it's some very valid points that um, you brought up there. So Auckland are very lucky. What mm. about the rest yeah. of the country? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I, mean, we, I mean, it's hard for us to speak to that because we don't operate our business everywhere in New Zealand. I wish we could, but we we're, we're not at the moment. Um, but yeah, there I, are. Some I, can some, I can add
2: some. I can add something though because I do get a lot of inquiries from, especially interior fit out companies around the country that operate, you know, every single town, city, mm-hmm. even right down, to you know, Queenstown. And um, you know, when I've got a client that rings me and says, "Look, I really want to do this," and Dunedin or whatever, I will ring around who I know and yep. find people. So people are doing it, but yep. like they're doing it kind of like in silos. You know, there's a really great place in Dunedin. I can't remember the name of it. Sorry, but um, <laughs> they they are really really passionate about trying to divert construction waste. Um, but it's just a matter, you know, if you try hard and you've got the passion and you want to do something, you can always find a solution. So, I mean, I'll give you an example. So there's an app called Civil Share. So that's free. It's called Civil Share. Um, it's been made by a good friend of ours called Regan Burke, and he's in the civil industry. and He designed that out of his own money and out of his own time because he realised how much waste was in, in the civil um, construction sector. So anybody can download that app. Anybody can, if they've got leftover materials or if they're looking for, you know, half a concrete truck that might be in the area, you can log in. You can put your wish list in, and they have items there all the time. So that's available nationwide. So I mean, that should be something that's being pushed more. Um, but it is very successful. But once again, it's all down to the users, you know?
0: Absolutely. Fantastic. And I guess because you've been going since 2005, you have a massive network. So again, like you said, people know of you in the industries and so they'll phone you. And so you have this amazing resource of people that you can um, put people in touch with. And it's great the fact that you were talking earlier about the audits that you do so that you have proof that it actually works. Mm. Um, And you can... And I from those audits is there something that creates a process so that you like a template for a process that you can pass on to other people so that they because the idea is that in sharing the information we're empowering others with tools to go and do stuff for themselves ultimately that's where I'm going to
2: Mm. yeah I think just having an awareness yeah I mean look I mean before you know you asked about does the industry know this I mean, the industry knows it, but until you actually set it out in front of each individual site or scenario, they they might not realize what materials are there. I don't think there's anyone in those companies who is individually assigned to do that. We've just done this because we find that it's a great way to make a change. Mm. Um, Would you like to add to that, Ruth? I think it's like
1: anything in life. You know, when you start recording and reporting on it, things get done. Yeah. Um, You know, if if you started um, a fitness or a a change in your eating behavior, you you tend to write it down or have a plan and um, lo and behold, it becomes a little clearer to you. So I think it's just that that's the advice I would give to anyone who wants to start making A difference to start listing down what you're actually throwing away, and start realising what it is you're chucking in the skip that never going to come out the ground again. Just as a starting point, you know.
0: So, what other, apart from the construction side of things, what other elements are there to junk run, Ruth?
1: So we, I might speak to this, we do um, quite a lot of work in the commercial sector. So um, when offices are having a clear out or um, downsizing or changing the furniture around or moving offices, um, getting rid of certain things, um, we do a lot of work in that space, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that those office furnitures, chairs, tables are rehomed rather than ending up in a skip going to landfill, which is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of work in that space um, and we do quite a lot of work in the residential space as well so just individual customers clearing out at home or moving house or a tenants moved and left some things behind or property managers need help clearing out properties so we do quite a bit of work in that space as well
0: and I guess it's quite good for like deceased estates and things like that because people aren't family aren't always around yeah. and I think just going off the back of that the heart of your business is about honoring the intrinsic value of all the materials that was me it would give me peace of mind knowing that you're going to find a good home for whatever has been left behind because it has perhaps a sentimental value or something like that and recognizing that it's going to carry on and have a use is just amazing
1: it's a very important part of the process when you're dealing with a family that's clearing out loved one's and lifetime of memories. It's, it's really important to take that, that responsibility very seriously. It's not only the work you're doing with the family going through that journey, but it's actually what happens to the their pieces of furniture that they've grown up with they have to go to to the right place.
0: Absolutely. And I know myself just from, even just from downsizing, it's that pool. I mean, I had a table and chairs, just a bog standard one, pine table and chairs that uh, was in my family. And I grew up sitting around this table and I moved to a smaller place and I couldn't use it. I mean, I have to say that I sold a huge, amount and nothing went to landfill I went round and round in circles I had an old printer that I actually took to Habitat for Humanity and they were about to throw it in the skip and I said but it's working so I went to a local the cartridge place and said you must have somebody who you've got the cartridges you can fill there must be somebody you know who would make use of this and they took it Anyway, going back to this table, it was really important to me because I had such an attachment that somebody took it on and was pleased to have it. You know, nowadays, kids are so used to disposable um, kind of thoughts, you know, it's no longer got any use to it. And some of the stuff that I may have may not be of their taste. And so um, they're not going to want half the stuff that I've got anyway even though there might be that sentimental attachment to it absolutely
1: yeah, I mean I guess
2: I guess though as well look, with um things like furniture and you know when you're dealing with um clearances and things like that and deceased estate a lot of the the furniture and you know houses is of really good quality so even your pint you know you, it was a solid wood um yeah. table and chairs I gather so you know that's got a, a very very long life cycle Absolutely, um, you, you've mm. just got to got then question, you know, the amount of importation of problem product. MDF is one of the, yep. the worst products um, available for anything to do with furniture or anything that's meant to have a long life because it's what it's made of um, and its durability, all these kind of things. So mm. really an MDF piece of furniture can only last one small cycle.
0: I read the other week, um, I think it might only apply to whiteware or electrical goods, but there's meant to be something coming in that actually lays the responsibility of the creators, producers, manufacturers to look at the longevity of something and repairability, if that's a word. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah, but there's a stewardship Stewards- program happening currently right, with certain yeah. products, so yeah, it's happening so already, which is great. On
1: that, if anyone wants to do some research around it, you need to look up the Sustainable Business Network. Um, have a website, I think it's sustainablebusinessnetwork.org.nz, and they have a, a huge project at the moment about product stewardship and the circular economy, and a huge list now of manufacturers and service providers like ourselves that are in this space in New Zealand and specialising in making sure that the products don't go to landfill, they stay in the loop and keep going around, either to be recycled into some other product or reused. Um, and that is an extensive project and there's a huge database now. So anyone is interested, have a look for that.
0: Cool. Um, do you know much about repair cafes? Do you have any dealings with any of those? Uh, we do, a few of them, yes. Oh. Uh, men's
1: sheds is another one. Yeah, and women's sheds, actually. There's a woman's shed in Auckland. Yes. Show <laughs> us. Um, (laughs) but yeah i encourage anyone around new zealand to look up for repair cafes very popular in europe and around the world now um and is great gaining momentum here as it should be so yeah have a look for those and if I there think, isn't I one think, in your area, start one yourself.
2: <laughs> I was about to say that, Philippa, I think you should start one and I can start bringing stuff up to you.
0: Excellent. Where you find yeah. me the space. Okay. <laughs> so is there anything else that you'd like to add to educate the listeners or just anything about the company that you want to share? I think it's just take a moment and pause
1: and just breathe and have a look and think about what you're throwing away. And that goes from every aspect of your life, whether it's at home, work, construction site, office, but it also comes back one step to what are you buying and bringing into your home, workplace, construction site, and where is that going to likely end up? Like Dave touched on before, MDF is hideous. It cannot be recycled. Horribly toxic. If we just stopped buying it, (laughs) you know, we would stop the problem, but we don't. So, um, yeah, really just stop and breathe and think for a moment about what you're buying. Could you buy something secondhand, you know,
0: really? Absolutely. Absolutely. And or do you really need it? You know, like another gadget in the kitchen or something. Yeah. Yeah, Because one of the second episode I had was with um, Jules Smith. It was about repurposing clothing, which is a massive um, problem. And again. Fashions, the type of fabrics and things that they're using, there's a lot of toxicity in it, and how much it takes from the resources to actually create it in the first place and then get it to various points around yeah. the globe. Dave, have you got anything to add?
2: Mm-hmm. Probably quite a lot, but I think if you're a young builder out there, yeah. you've just finished your apprenticeship or you're at BCITO, it's all down to you because that's all it is. If you restructure the way your building site is and you communicate with you guys and you reward them for doing cool things like not throwing reusable materials into skip bins, that'll make a huge change. That's it.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. So um, I always round my interviews off with um, four questions. So I'll start with you, Ruth. Yes. Is a book or a person that has influenced in you in your life and um, how have they? I thought about this
1: one and that it follows on nicely actually to what we were just talking about. There was a book that I read a while back by Malcolm Gladwell called Tipping Point and it just talks about how little changes can make massive massive outcomes Yep. and we just talked about that before about the new apprentices on a building site making small changes and it's all about that that theory in life so that one stuck with me um and I think anyone who's ever been in a tent with a mosquito knows <laughs> exactly so little things can make big impacts <laughs>
0: absolutely yep yeah. And I, as um, an ocean lover or thalassophile, as they're known, um, I always make the same the same kind of analogy, but with the with water, it has a um, an exponential ripple effect on everything that we do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, same thing. Yeah. You, Dave, is there a book or a person that's influenced you?
2: Uh, many, but I think I mean I'm a musician, so I got I heard Jimi Hendrix the first time when I was probably six years old and he made me drop the playing the piano and whilst I was walking past an inorganic collection I saw a guitar which had no back on it right. so I took it out of an inorganic collection and I fixed it up and I made it and from that point I played guitar so I think that comes from Jimi Hendrix plus I've got a tattoo of one of his quotes on my arm so Jimi Hendrix, um, although I know it's not really waste, but it kind of is waste for me because I always well, remember you, that story.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. It's obviously an integral part of who you are. So, I um, mean, I do ask about quotes, so this seems like a good time for you to let us, what's the quote on your tattoo? Oh,
2: so, Jimi Hendrix said, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. That's, That's one of my favourite quotes.
0: Beautiful and very apt for our times, I feel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> True that, yeah.
0: Ruth, what about you so far as a quote goes? Um, I think this
1: quote's by Pete Seeger and we use it at work a lot and it just resonates with me and it's appropriate for today too. So if it cannot be repaired, recycled, reused, rebuilt, resold or rotted, it shouldn't be restricted, redesigned or removed from production.
0: Wow, that's mm. a mouthful, but very profound. Yet, <laughs> yeah, just it is a good one, that one absolutely definitely something you want to have up on up on your fridge (laughs) yep is there anything I mean we all have up days and down days and it can be quite frustrating so if you're in a funk what sort of thing do you do to get out of it music for me right as well yeah
1: um either stick on some music or I I play a bit of piano but um yeah music has got an incredible energy for me um or I just get out into nature and go for a big walk
0: yeah so maybe it's you and Dave ought to get together with the music and the guitar, eh? <laughs> oh, we've talked about that, haven't we, Dave? <laughs> we still
2: have, yeah.
0: So, what about you, Dave? When you're in a funk,
2: I just like to, you know, go to the beach and yeah. look at my daughter. That's it.
0: Kids, and obviously, then- I mean, I'm,
2: I'm, yeah, guitar. As Ruth said, as we all know, if you, if you can play an instrument, you can escape anything.
0: Yeah, you can. Very therapeutic. I think that is a talent I don't have. The last question is, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be and why? For me? Yeah. I think everyone's the same.
1: Oh, I just want to see some peace and normality restored to Eastern Europe and the Ukraine. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Would probably be top of my list right now. Dave. M-
2: mine's not specific. I just think general balance around the world, you know, without mm-hmm. saying too much, but there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of injustice and horrible things happening in the world and a lot of evil stuff. And I think if that was to be reduced, it would be great for everybody and every living being.
0: And I think it goes back to what you were saying, Ruth, about so far as materials are concerned, we can apply the same rule to ourselves, is to take a pause Mm. um, and not to react and throw, you know, throw stuff out there, words out there or whatever. It's about taking self-responsibility in the feelings, actions, thoughts that you have, as well as um, the materials that we're using and how we we repurpose them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That sounds like a very splendid note to the (laughs) song. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, the pair of you. It's been a delight. Thank you for inviting us. We're looking forward to hearing it. Uh, Thanks so much, Philippa. You're welcome. I'll, I'll think on that she shed idea.
2: Yeah. It wouldn't be hard for me to bring up materials, that's for sure.
0: Cool. I'll pick your yeah. brains on it and I'll see what I can do.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could try and make something happen. No problem.
0: Fantastic. Bless you. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thank you. Bye. See ya. In keeping with the theme of honouring the value of products, Repair Café Aotearoa have created a petition to ask for the right to repair and mandatory product stewardship to be included in the revised Waste Minimisation Act. Repair services and spare parts need to be accessible and affordable to everyone, as well as information on the product's repairability and durability. Both will go a long way towards shifting the current practice and mindset where people just throw stuff away and buy new. I put the link for the petition in the show notes. There's a deadline on this one, so if it's something you'd like to support, please could you attend to it before the closing date on the 25th of April. There's good news in Europe though. They've just introduced new rules for clothing, furniture and smartphones, stipulating they need to be longer lasting and easier to repair. They're putting an emphasis on sustainably made textiles and a crackdown on companies misleading consumers with false environmental claims or greenwashing as it's called. I'll be continuing the theme of repurposing waste next week when I'll be talking to Gareth Hughes from Aotearoa Food Rescue Alliance about the ingenious way the organisation have diverted an astronomical 7.5 million kilograms of food from going to landfill and used it to create over 29 million meals. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio so you don't miss any future episodes. And be sure to get in touch if you have a subject or a guest you'd like me to consider. My email is info at villaparos.com. I'll put it in the show notes too. So until then, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.